This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Are you looking for advice? You've come to the right place. Nick, we're talking solicited and unsolicited today. Are you guilty of either? Not really. I think we're going to give some good advice on giving advice. Um, it's funny because, I mean, rarely am I, am I feeling confident enough on the golf course to give advice, solicited or otherwise. But it's funny because I play with Ashley every once in a while, and I played with her last, last week. And she was like pleading for a lesson on the call, on the golf course on why she was topping the ball. And I'm like, are you, first of all, are you watching me play? And second of all, you, you somehow think I'm going to like instantly fix you um, in one swing, which um, it was, I found it to be quite comical. Well, I have one piece of advice for you, the listener, and that is to rate and review this podcast. Leave who you think is going to win this year's U.S. Women's Open in July at Pebble Beach. If you are correct, if you were the first person to identify the winner, you will win a box of Piper golf balls of your choice. The blue, the green, the sampler. Do you want a hat? I'm sure I can get one for you. All you got to do is pick the winner of the 2023 U.S. Women's Open. Leave that review in Apple Podcasts. Now, Nick, March and April are over, and... I'm going to leave it up to you if you want to continue with the Gurr report. A little context to the listener. I received a bevy of despondent text messages from you about <laughs> your most recent round. So if I had to guess, I would say you don't want to continue this, but I'm going to leave it up to you. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good guess. Um, I think we can move past the Gurr report. Um, okay. I hit, I hit a season low, probably a low for the last uh, two or three years. Um, in my golf game and you know, we don't need to talk about it. Just, just know that I'm, I'm putting forth my best effort to be ready, uh, when it counts in June. Well, before we get to our first discussion topic, I noticed those text messages. I also am going through it 12 rounds now, every single one between 82 and 86 moments of brilliance. It evens out with moments of insanity for just this really annoying mediocrity that I can't get past. So I've reached out to a few mental game coaches, and I think we're going to get someone on the podcast soon to prepare us for the Corner Club Open. Because I don't think we're facing physical issues right now. I think we're in the mental. Because I saw you play the number one handicap hole in Crystal Lake. You hit a smooth draw from 200 to 10 feet and knocked it in with water on the right side. So... I know you have the physical abilities to do it, Nick. It's all in our head. We need help. That's the thing that's so frustrating because for me, I'm like, there's no excuse to be this bad at golf. Like, I I can't come up with one single reason why I shouldn't be like 15 strokes better at the bare minimum. And it's just like, I, I hit shots that are exactly what I want to do and they feel so easy. And then 19 seconds later, I hit a shot that looks like I've never held the golf club before in my entire life. And I just can't figure out how the same person is capable of doing both of those things in such a short period of time. So hopefully some highly trained, highly certified doctor with a bunch of letters after their name, before their name, um, specialties, special licenses, whatever, the more the merrier. Hopefully that person can help us because I can't help myself. 
I can't help myself either, and I don't really know what to do. So it's got to be something to do with the mental I, game. Joe, I, since we're on the topic, like yeah. I, I resorted to buying a one length four iron because <laughs> I need to make a seven iron swing and get off the tee and get 200 yards out there and stop hitting it out of bounds. I, I hit it out of bounds five times in my last round. And so I, I found a $50 club that like I convinced myself at three in the morning will be the solution to all my problems. Um, and TBD, maybe the good report will start back up. I think I'm just playing for bogeys though. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't, rather than trying to hit every green in two, I should just try <laughs> to hit every green in three or four and keep bogey and double in play. <laughs> That's where See, we're at. This, this sounds like a person That's, who needs yeah, some help it's, with it's so what's sad. going on between the ears. So when you say you bought a one length four iron. You bought a four iron that's the length of a seven iron? Yeah. It's like it's like the four iron from a set of one length clubs. And I found it for fifty dollars. And I thought, like, I haven't bought a box of golf balls in six years. Surely I've saved way more than fifty dollars. So I'm gonna reinvest that into a club that hopefully I can manage to not hit out of bounds eight times per round, and therefore my scores should drop. I think when they're auctioning our team off at the Corner Club Open in the Calcutta, they should play the last three minutes of this podcast because that's going to matter a lot more than what we actually shot in the first round. Wow, we are going through it right now. Well, that's for a future episode today. Before we get to advice, piece of news. Jim Furyk is the 2024 President's Cup captain for the U.S. side. He did captain the Ryder Cup a few years back, was a losing captain, and it got me thinking, Nick, got the old wheels turning. Would you rather? It's back on the podcast. We haven't mm. seen it for a while, but it's back. Maybe this is the vibe change that we need. Bring back an old segment. We'll bring back our old games. Would you rather be a three-time President's Cup captain a la a Freddie Couples, or would you be a one-term Ryder Cup captain like a Hal Sutton, a Tom Lehman, or a Corey Pavin. Now, a little bit of context here. The United States hasn't lost a President's Cup in a long time. So Freddie went 3-0. Those three Ryder Cup captains I named all lost. So what do you think, Nick? What would you rather do? It depends on what your goal is, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you want to be the man in charge and like, if you love this leadership role, because I'm sure there's a ton that goes into it behind the scenes, then it's the President's Cup captaincy. Because at the end of the day, to the casual golf fan, even to like the slightly like focused golf fan, like fast forward a year and all the President's Cups and Ryder Cups kind of get thrown into the blender or mixed into one. And you can't remember if like that match between those two guys was a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup, right? So like if... Obviously, we're assuming that the Ryder Cup is the better event and the more prestigious event because it is. It is. Um, but I think that that's only in like one specific segment of golf fans, like to the players, to the captains, to the event, like the experience as a captain. It's probably pretty much the same. Like once you care 100%, you can't really care anymore, I guess. So from that perspective, then it would be the President's Cup captaincy. But if you're just like... I want to do it to have it on my resume, but it's a huge pain in the ass. And I don't want to be bothered like all the time by all these random guys like begging, texting me to try to make the team or like worried about trying to manipulate pairings to get people ready and all these like 
data people, all these things and like picking out the outfits and all the look bullshit that goes along with it. You just do the Ryder Cup. You do it once. Who cares? You're probably going to lose. It doesn't really matter. And and you move on. I think the best case scenario is kind of what Zach Johnson has this year. I think you want to do it on the road because the expectation is that you're probably not going to win. Though I checked the online um, uh, DraftKings. I, I, I checked DraftKings. U.S. is a heavy favorite right now in Europe in the Ryder Cup, which like I almost bet on Europe yesterday to win the Ryder Cup because the U.S. hasn't won in Europe in a long I mean, ass would time. Not be a bad play. It would not be a bad play. And then I looked at the draw, but I'm not going to do that this time around. Um, I think Zach Johnson has the best case scenario. You're playing a road game. If you win, you're a hero. If you lose, it's kind of like, meh. If you're at home, I think it's a no-win proposition. Either you have to win by a lot, or it's considered a failure, frankly, on U.S. soil. For the President's Cup, it's kind of a unique thing, because Freddie's done it a few times. Nicholas did it a ton. And now they've kind of moved into a, we're going to do this as sort of a either warm-up or retirement program for the Ryder Cup, right? Because Strick did it before he captained the Ryder Cup, and Furyk is now doing it after he captained the Ryder Cup. It's definitely less prestigious just because it's not as competitive, right? I mean, there's been, I don't know, these have been going on since the, the mid-90s, and the international team has won once and tied once. And in the Ryder Cup, Europe has dominated this century. There's no other way to look at it. I mean, the, the stat still lives that Tiger Woods has only played on one winning Ryder Cup team, which is the craziest stat in golf. So I think that, I would want to do it in the scenario that Zach Johnson has it. I think if you were to do it on U.S. soil, there's more pressure and there's more to lose than there is more to gain. But if Zach, if the U.S. wins the Ryder Cup on European soil, Zach Johnson's instantly going to be considered one of the best Ryder Cup captains, regardless if that is true or not. And it sort of leads to the question of, do you want to have a repeat Ryder Cup captain? Because it's only happened a couple times this century. Tom Watson did it, I think, in the mid-late 90s, and then was a huge failure, um, I think, in 2014. And then Davis Love bookended Tom Watson. So he was before Watson and then after Watson, and he went one and one So, like, if Zach Johnson is successful, do they continue to have him as the captain? I would say no, just because it feels like this is still more of a recognition of a golfer's career rather than who's going to be the best captain. Right, and that's... It's so true and it's so flawed. Like, who wouldn't want continuity going into, like, these awesome events? Like, you're going to do it one time, learn all there is to know about, like, how you should do it again the next time, and then never get the chance to implement, like, your experience from actually doing it. That does not make any sense to me. Um, but it's, it is more of, like a parade of like, ah, Zach Johnson, remember this guy won a couple majors and he's a nice guy and he always accidentally hits it Gritty. off the tee, you know, <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's strange. The other end of that is the pressure with being the president's cup captain. Now, as you mentioned, the United States only has one loss in this competition. Like if you, if you captain this thing and then lose, like, does that mean you're the worst captain in like United States national golf team history or is it just like the internationals are due yeah if if you goes and gets the l in 2024 in canada that looks real bad because then he's owen one as a Ryder cup captain owen one as a president's cup captain. Like this guy can't even win the president's cup he can't get anything right he can shoot 58 but he can't captain a team 
Um, I'm, I'm not convinced that the captain has a whole lot to do with it, frankly. Um, I think the captain needs to kind of stay out of the way. I, I think they can do more harm than good. But it is interesting because like a parallel to me is like um, the basketball teams in the Olympics, right? It's like you want continuity in whomever is in charge of USA basketball from the men's and women's side. And if you were to have a new coach every four years, like that would kind of mess things up. You had some continuity with Coach K. I think Gino did it for a long time for long the time. women's side. And yeah, you need you need to have that continuity, especially if you're going to have the same players in this thing. And you would assume for both basketball and golf, you're going to have the same you know nucleus of eight people with some rotating people in and out every however often you do it, every four years or every two years. I think, you know, I've always made the soccer analogy, but it's the same point. And I've always thought they should have like a captain and you have like a four or eight year term, right? And you're going to do a road President's Cup and a home President's Cup and a road Ryder Cup and a home Ryder Cup. And you're going to assemble your roster of players just as any other coach in any other sport does. There's not a qualifying system. Like if you're the number seven golfer in the world and you're from the United States, guess what? They're going to pick you. You're going to be on the team, right? Maintain this roster, have like trainings every like three times a year where you get the whole group together. You do this and that, and you've got your nucleus in like, you know, a couple times a year, a guy's going to fade off. You're going to cut him, and you're going to add somebody else. And you're going to have kind of your spat, your practice squad and all that. Like, why not mirror that process if you're really trying to win these events? But it doesn't seem like there's any continuity. The PGA Tour owns the President's Cup. The PGA of America runs the United States Ryder Cup. They're, they're not really like sure they're related, but they're not like all in the same house. And it's just like more for show and like for like you said like let's parade this guy out there and like he had a nice career he's earned it you know and it's like well where does winning fall in this this is treated like a gold watch and not like a competition you want to win hey zach johnson nice career here's a Ryder cup captaincy and i know exactly. specifically with zach You've, johnson we owe it to you we owe it to you and i know specifically with zach johnson they've had him as an assistant captain for president's cups and Ryder cups and building him along and saying how good he's going to be and maybe that's the case maybe u.s goes out and kicks the shit out of europe in Italy in September, which would be fantastic. I'm, I'm not betting on it, but I, I think that would be fabulous. And then if that's the case, then what do you do? Then do you say, hey, you know what, Tiger? It's your time. You be a Ryder Cup captain. Freddie, you've never been a Ryder Cup captain. You're going to step in. That seems unlikely. I think you would have done it already. But you know what I mean? It's like, I think regardless of the outcome, they're just going to move on to the next guy instead of trying right. to fix what's happening. And, you know, look at Europe, though, Nick. Europe hasn't had a repeat, a repeat Ryder Cup captain in a long time, and they're just kicking our ass. So maybe it's not the captain at all. Maybe it's just well, that it's a, U.S. players don't give a shit. It's kind of been ping-ponging back and forth. It's been a while. I, I guess the the um, Furek lost on home soil eight years ago. or well, must have been six years ago. Yeah. Um, but, and, but besides that, it's kind of been ping-ponging just to, like, the home team. Um, but Europe has had much more consistency in their captains than the United States has, um, for what it's worth. I have no, I don't have the information in front of me, but um, maybe that is a recipe for success. But who knows? For sure. Um, let's take a break. I'm gonna. I, I need you to check and make sure your dogs are okay up there. I'm, I'm, I'm getting. <laughs> you a can hear worried. them. <laughs> yeah, I can. I'm I'm getting a little worried just at the end there. Just at the end there. Uh we're going to take a break, come back. Maybe it's that maybe it's that one like flyer showing up on my doorstep. <laughs> That's Let the advice I'm giving to Nick right now is to go check on the dogs. We'll take a break and we'll come back in a second. This episode of At the Turn is brought to you by Blue Tees, the fastest growing brand in the rangefinder game at every 
price point. The top of the line Series 3 Max has everything you want on a rangefinder, like an ultra clear display, a 900 yard range, and some things that you didn't even know you wanted on a rangefinder, like a magnetic strip so you can slap it right on your cart and pulse vibration to confirm you're locked in on the correct target. No more thinking you've shot the flag and you're actually dialed on that back bunker instead. It's also water resistant. This beauty has it all. Get one now and make sure you use promo code TURN at checkout for 10% off. That's promo code TURN, T-U-R-N, at checkout for 10% off. Blue Tees is just doing it better than anyone else in the space right now. Get the best deal on the best rangefinder using promo code TURN at checkout. Blue Tees, play different. Okay, Nick. I've been playing bad. You see something in my swing. I'm on the 11th tee. I'm about to hit the ball. Do you say anything? I haven't asked for advice. Do you give unsolicited advice on the golf course? No. I I do not give unsolicited advice on the golf course. I might stop. So like I might point something out to somebody about like, hey, there's a group hitting into you. You might want to look up. Um, or like, hey, the fairway is that way. Um, are you sure you're aimed where you like? Um, but I wouldn't be like, Joe. You're doing this thing with your hips that I really, really think is causing that uh, that shot shape there. So unsolicited advice that I will give to anybody are those two as well, Nick. If someone is in imminent danger of getting hit or hitting somebody else, or they're obviously hitting to the wrong flag, the wrong fairway, the wrong target. Those are the two scenarios where I feel comfortable giving unsolicited advice to anybody. Because I feel like no matter who that person is, you might get a 1% who gets pissed off no matter what. But I do think that those are two situations where you have to say something to a dear friend or a perfect stranger. Mm -hmm. The other thing is if it's etiquette related. Like um, you say you're playing with somebody new and they're walking through people's putting lines or things you wouldn't know as like non-initiating to golf. And you're just like, hey, just so you know, like, what you should do is this instead, but it's not about the golf swing. It's just about maintaining yourself on a golf course. For sure. Like I have a buddy who is pretty new and he walks through lines sometimes and I'll only say it like, Hey, this isn't a big deal to us because the quality of golf course isn't like good enough to make a difference. But if you're playing with strangers or in a tournament, this does upset people. Do you, do you bother worrying about people doing that on the through line? No, no. <laughs> me either. All my putts go in. Yeah, no, that would be. <laughs> You've never had experience with a through line because when they hit the back of the cuff, there is no through line. Right, exactly. Um, you gotta, you gotta get around the hole somehow. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree. When it comes to giving unsolicited advice, I actually had a dear friend of mine. He likes to call me after he's had a few. We've, we've all done this. Drunk dial a buddy, someone you haven't talked to in a while. And we chatted and he told me that he really wishes I would give more advice to him and the other people in my group during a round of golf. He's like, just, if you see something, just, just point it out. If you see something in the swing, just let us know. And that is very kind because that means he thinks of me as someone with a lot of knowledge, but it also makes me very uncomfortable because one thing I never, ever want to do is give technical advice to someone's golf swing. I'm never going to say, oh, you got to drop the elbow. 
um, you know, the shoulder turn. Um, you gotta, you gotta load the swing. Anything technically, I'm not gonna mention. If it's something like a thought or an aim point or like tempo or you're standing too far from the ball, if it's something before or after the swing, I'm comfortable saying it, but there's no way I would ever say anything about someone's actual golf swing. Right. I think I, I can kind of agree with that. So when I like one of the first times I ever played golf, um, like I didn't even like I didn't even play golf at this time in my life, but like I was hanging out with Nick Martinick and he's like, golf's fun. Like, let's go to the golf course. So we did one day and like he he told me like halfway through our round, like you should you should hit down on the ball. And I was like, oh, I didn't know because I had never played golf yeah. before. And I was like, yeah. that that's cool. Like, thank you for letting me know. And I'll say when I first started playing golf with you, I was in my golf infancy and I, I can agree with your buddy. Like there might've been times I'd be like, Joe clearly knows how to hit a golf ball. And he clearly sees that I don't know how to hit a golf ball yet. He's <laughs> let me in on the secret a little bit here, but um, only if it's like something that's clearly going to help. Like, Hey, you should hit down on the ball. Like that's, that's pretty straightforward. It's pretty clear. Um, the worst thing you can do, and I've had people do this, is like give this vague advice or comment or like kind of in passing where it's like, oh, well, you're getting stuck or you're not loaded up or you're loading up, you're unloading too, you know, or you're unloading, you know, it's just like, what do they even mean I'm getting stuck? You know what I mean? And it's like, now I'm standing over my shot and I'm going to, it's like, if I don't make a change, they're going to think that I'm that I'm just still stuck. And if I change the wrong thing, then I don't know what getting stuck is. And now I'm even more stuck than I was before because I have no idea what the hell to do. So do not give that like vague advice, um, something more that you can wrap your head around. It's more right in front of you, hit down on the ball or whatever it is. Not that vague bullshit. So I don't want to forget this point because it happened last time we played. Um, I was going through a pretty nice little stretch on, on Saturday and we were playing with um, some randos in the, in the men's club and I hit a wedge close <laughs> and we're standing back. It's par three. And the guy just kind of says to me, he's like, Hey, is that, um, is that a self-taught swing or did you get lessons to do that? And I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, dickhead, that's not a compliment. Um, and I said, a little bit of both, but it seems to work, doesn't it? And he doesn't really know what to say after I say that. But yeah, it was a little bit of needle, a little bit of, I don't know. It it this this conversation made me think of it. To your point earlier about getting stuck, technical advice, things that aren't really clear to everybody, that is my apprehension in giving advice to people because you could talk to 10 people about golf and they think about it completely different ways. The way I think about golf, I consider to be unconventional compared to other people. If there's a spectrum of analytical to feel, I am pretty far, I would say, towards the feel side versus analytical. The less I think about my golf swing on the golf course, the better I'm playing. And I don't want to tell someone anything about their golf swing. I just want to give uh, a thought or a key. And the one that I always give, and I'm sure I've said it on this podcast. I learned this from Peter Jacobson, Oregon golf legend on the golf channel. And he said for brand new golfers, pepperoni pizza on the backswing, say in your head, pepperoni on the downswing, say pizza. 
And if you're saying pepperoni pizza, it does two things. It gives you great tempo on the backswing, and it leads to a crisp downswing. And also, you're not really nervous because you aren't thinking about 15 things. All you're thinking about is pepperoni pizza, which is the most relatable thing on earth because who doesn't love pepperoni pizza? I shit you not, Nick. I've given this advice to Lacey. I've given it to random people. Everyone seems to enjoy this tip because it is so simple. Pepperoni pizza on the backswing. Pepperoni pizza on the downswing. You've never given me that tip. I've never is heard that, that right? before in my entire oh, That no. would have been so useful 12 years ago. <laughs> Especially to you, the number one pizza yes. lover in my life. Seriously, that does accomplish so many things because it takes your mind, it puts an image in your mind that makes you happy, and it instantly just gives you the perfect tempo without thinking about yeah. tempo. So whenever anyone gets out of tempo in my group, everyone just jokes, pepperoni pizza. And it really seems to help. So yeah, folks. I'm gonna, I, I got to go. I'm going to go into my <laughs> garage right now and start make, taking some pepperoni pizza swings. Okay. So that's unsolicited. By and large, just to wrap up this portion of it, I think by and large, you shouldn't do it. I think even if you are much better than the people you're playing with, don't give technical advice to somebody because if they're a beginner or not playing well, it's likely going to screw them up. Give them a simple thought or protect them from danger or causing harm to someone else or if they're aimed the wrong way. I think those are the two at-large reasons we can give. I, I have a couple other do's and don'ts. Okay, for unsolicited. Um, yes, for unsolicited okay. advice. Great. So if if it's possible, save it for post-round. So like, mm. you know, if I'm kind of holding it together um, enough that I can make it through to that I can limp to the finish, and then maybe like the post-round beer, you know, you can kind of bring it up in a in a more subtle way. The exception to this is if there's going to be a walk-off where like I've just hit seven shanks in a row and I'm just going to like, Joe, I, I can no longer be on this golf course. And if you have the if you have the solution, that's that's fine. If it's a team competition, if it's the corner club opening, mm. you need me to start, you know, yeah. keeping it Nick, in play. We're on hole four. Fine. You got to keep Nick. it together, buddy. <laughs> Nick, enough. Pepperoni pizza. The balance already. <laughs> Come on. That's perfectly fine. Um, if if um, the golfer is getting so frustrated, their mental health or anybody else's physical safety is in danger, uh, it's, time, it's time to drop some advice. Um, another subtle way to do it, potentially post round, is suggest a drill. Like, there was a time you and I were playing golf together and I was like shanking every chip off the hosel, just 89 degrees to the left. Um, Maybe, maybe just a nice, like, Hey, this is a good drill for, for making good contact with your, with your, with your chip shots. Like you're making me sound like a shitty golf partner here, Nick. No, no, it's not you. It's just like my, my, my lowest days, you know, you are happy to be a part of them. (laughs) Um, Or another really subtle way. Is like a personal anecdote. Like, like if if you're like, yeah, Nick, I, I struggle with a slice too for for a long time, and uh, I just said pepperoni pizza, and I started hitting it straight, or you know, like something that helped you through the same thing because it makes it feel like so much less lonely when somebody else is like, <laughs> I used to shake every. We've all done this. Is. Um, yeah, and then the the last don't for this is. Don't take advantage of your opponent's frail state to uh, win a match or like 
weaponize it and use it against them in in some way they're already going through enough even if it's an important match if you see like i've shanked a few don't be like oh don't don't forget not to shank this one or uh don't you know don't don't weaponize it you know what you're doing if you play those mind games if if you're familiar with the gamesmanship you know exactly what i'm talking about don't do that this person is already in a very low low they're they're questioning a lot of things they don't need you weaponizing their shitty golf against them to get into their wallet even more than you probably already are boy that is that is cruel and unusual if people are doing that especially if they're asking i can only think of one person you can only think of one person who would do something like that? Yeah, no, I know. Um, okay, solicited advice on the golf course. That's unsolicited. I want to touch on solicited real quick. If someone's asking for help, if Nick is shanking chips and he isn't asking me verbally, but he's staring at me like, Joe, I'm about to take a 14 on this hole. Tell me anything to help. Two things I do, and I can only correct a slice. A hook. <laughs> the only thing when people hit a hook is I say, look, if you hit a hook, you're doing a lot of things right. Okay. You'll, you'll figure it out. You're doing a, doing a lot of things right. If you're hitting a hook, you didn't say that to me last month. <laughs> you are. You're doing you saw me, so you, many- saw me, you saw me hit a lot of hooks. I didn't hear that come out of your mouth one time. All right. I have to take my own advice. I'm going to listen to this <laughs> when I'm driving to Moscow and be like, all right, here's what Nick needs to fire oh. him up. A mental game coach and a little, and a little advice from Joe. So I can't fix a hook. I, I don't know if I can fix a slice, but here's what I always tell people if they're really struggling with a slice. Like I'm talking like a boomerang. Two things. Tee the ball higher. Well, hopefully that works. I'm crossing my fingers in the next one. See if that helps at all. And my favorite, because they always get mad at me, and it has worked about half the time, I would say, aim right. Aim right. If you're hitting a slice, aim right. Turn into the skid. The thought is, if you're aimed right, you won't try to pull the ball left. You'll take a more inside swing path and come around it and hit a straighter golf ball. Now, sometimes it has I think, catastrophic results, but it does work well, occasionally. Yeah, I think that can address one of the two like, technical things that causes a slice. Um, so, yeah, it's not it's not bad advice. And it's and the nice thing about that is it's it's like simple. You can say like I changed my aim. You know, you can. It's not like. Oh, was I getting my my third knuckle pointed towards the ground rather than pointed towards the sky at, at impact? Like it's hard to to say whether or not you you executed. But did you aim or did you not? It's good. I would say otherwise. I can't help an analytical golfer. There's nothing I can do for someone who's incredibly technical. A field golfer. Let's figure it out. Let's have a couple beers. Let's talk through it. We'll enjoy the process together. Maybe I can give you some weird thoughts in your head around the short game, but otherwise I'm I'm no help to anybody. I'm just too much of a weirdo out there. I have, I have a very handsy swing. I'm a very feel player. So if you're looking for technical help. I'm not the guy. It's also not your job. You know, like somebody could ask you for advice, but like in the example I gave with playing with Ashley, she's like, she, she hit a few tops with the driver. And I said like, you know, try to stay <laughs> trying not to come up out of it you know and she's like that's all you're gonna tell me you know and it's like well i'm out here shooting a million myself and like i can't fix you in one swing and what if i like give you some advice that makes it worse or you know what if nobody's fixed in one swing right so like what if your next swing just happens to not be as good and then now you're like questioning whether i'm giving you bad advice and this and it's like i just want to stay out of it like if you sometimes you just want to stay out of it like you might see somebody struggling but who, who's to say that what works for you is going to work for them and actually help them and make them respect you more? They might they might just hate you. The last thing anyone wants to do when giving advice is compound the problem. 
Yes. If you make it worse, then it's not only you're an accomplice to this murder. If you just stayed away and didn't even leave your house and you're not driving the getaway car and the bank job, you don't have anything to do with this. But the second you give someone advice and things go downhill, you're going to jail with them. You're now part of this problem. And that's scary, Nick. I don't want to be that either, especially when it's your wife. (laughs) It's a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility. Do you have anything more? I think that's basically it. For me, it's I can I can mess around with a field player, someone who's technical I can't, and pepperoni, pizza. If you have one takeaway, it's pepperoni on the backswing, pizza on the downswing. Pepperoni pizza. I am going to think about that every time I swing a golf club. I can't wait for you to text that you shot 87 your last time out. It's going to be great. It's going to be so fun. It is time for our Mad Golfer of the Week. It's brought to you by Piper Golf. Use the promo code TURN10 at checkout for 10% off everything at Piper.Golf. Golf balls for plus ones and 25s for much, much less than a Titleist or Callaway. The season is here. Stock up using promo code TURN10 at checkout at Piper.Golf. Dot golf. Nick, we go to TPC Craig Ranch in the greater Dallas, Texas area site of this week's Byron Nelson. This is Mike McClellan. Quote, someone robbed my Suburban while I played the course today. Absolutely garbage. Course is great, but getting robbed will ruin any experience. Decent course, but it is not worth risking peace of mind. No fun. <laughs> So when he says someone robbed what? his Suburban. Oh, my God. I have to imagine someone like stole. I'm imagining someone got a screwdriver and stole the tape deck out of like a 1988 Suburban. This doesn't strike me as someone actually stealing his vehicle because leaving a review on Google doesn't seem like the way to get your car back. Yeah, that was my first question is why are you turning to Google to report this incident? Like online justice. Burglaries can happen anywhere and everywhere. Just on a recent episode of this podcast, we brought up a car burglary where hubcaps were theft two ways, to and from a uh, survivor pool winner. Um, It has nothing to do with the golf course. What are you going to review the restaurant if it was your car was parked downtown? Um, This is, this is ludicrous. And yeah, I had that same image of like, what, what are we, what are we talking about here? Was there, was there, a mattress in the back of the suburban. Yeah, uh, was imagine like, like, one of the doors painted yellow, like the CD like case that you keep. <laughs> the case logic. The, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like underneath the seat. Like how how am I gonna get this Hoobastank CD? They don't make it anymore. <laughs> uh, we have a sub mad golfer of the week, just because I found this so funny. From Christy Ellis, four words which says it all: garbage, snooty, rich. Drunks. That's Christy's review of DPC. Thanks, Christy. Craig Ranch. Christy and Mike, congratulations. You are our Mad Golfers of the Week. Well, it is now time for the segment you all love. Hashtag Nick Rules. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout. So, the topic of giving advice We've addressed it. You've addressed it, Joe, with your pepperoni pizza. I've addressed it with some tips, some do's and don'ts. The rules of golf also address giving advice. A player may not give or seek advice to or from anyone except their caddy, partner, partner's caddy, or a nominated advice giver if allowed in a team competition. Now, there was some controversy at the Masters because 
Tiger's now former caddy, Joe LaCava, was flashing a um, – was it, maybe it was Brooks' caddy. I'm sorry. Uh, flashing a, a sign to another caddy or, or mouthing the iron that was hit prior to somebody else's shot, and people were trying to call foul there. Um, that is, is a breach of the rules. An advice giver incurs the general penalty immediately. If the advice is unsolicited, the advice receiver will not get a penalty in the first instance, but must act to stop the advice being given, or they will be treated as asking for subsequent advice. So I'm giving you advice. Hey, Joe, it's a seven iron. Oh, that, that's a two, that's a two club wind. Did you see what my ball did there? And you don't tell me to stop. The next time I do it, you, you can be penalized. Advice is defined as any verbal comment or action, such as showing what club was just used to make a stroke that is intended to influence a player in choosing a club, making a stroke, or deciding how to play a hole or round. That's okay. like, like wildly. Pe- I mean, that's like a, a really kind of a vague description. Like any action or verbal comment that's influencing a person's how they play a hole or round. Like if I'm just like, Joe hit a smooth one here. (laughs) Are we both going to get a two stroke penalty? (laughs) If you don't tell me to shut up, you're getting penalized too. Our best ball 84 is going to turn into an 86 real quick. (laughs) Well, no, your partner in a team event is, is allowed to give you. Okay. So we could, we could say whatever we want. Um, a couple things. Yeah. This seems overly penal, but by the same token, it's relatively easy to figure out what club that the person in your playing group is using. You can a look at the club in their hands or B look in their bag and see what's missing. Also on the Brooks caddy thing. And I can't remember if it was his caddy or LaCava. Don't they just do that for the announcer's sake? So the announcers know what they're hitting. Uh, they do it. They, they flash it to the announcer. Yeah. But they, but in this situation, he was, one caddy was telling mm. another caddy, or I, I think see. one caddy asked and the other caddy. It was more explicit than usual. Yes. And it was like, well, they, they both would be penalized. So they both said, they both basically lied about it. They're like, did, did, did you do this? And they're like, no, we didn't do it. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Why, why would we think otherwise? Wow. Okay. And that is Nick rules. Now, before we close up shop, Nick next week, Two people have the opportunity to continue their quest for the Grand Slam. John Rahm and Nick Heidelberger. We have a major championship coming up next week. You're looking at me like it's wrong. It's not. It's not. I have verified. I was like, who's the, I was like, what what Grand Slam am I still eligible for? <laughs> um so I'm assuming you haven't done your research and circled the wagons and identified the major champion of the PGA. That's fair to say. That's fair to say. Well, you did tell me in an earlier podcast this year that Scotty and Rom are going to combine for three of the four majors, um, and you're you're looking pretty good with that prediction through one major. Yeah, Scotty is definitely going to get some heavy consideration from me. This is very exciting. Um, I'm circling the wagons trying to get an expert to talk to us about Oak Hill, the venue for the PGA, because they made a lot of changes to – PGAs were held there this century. Um, if you could tell me the winners of either one of those, um, I'm I'm going to buy you a huge tub at the Corner Club. Are you, there's only one size tub. No, I'm going to get um, a bigger one. I'm going to get a it. bigger tub. You yeah. get a bigger tub. Well, Scotty Scheffler will be a, a uh, winner at Oak Hill by the time we uh, are Perfect. By the time we get to Moscow. Okay, great. Sean McKeel and Jason Duffner, for those of you playing along. Oh, Duff. 
So the rest of the month, again, we're going to do a PGA preview. We're going to give us give you our outstanding picks. We're going to get a mental game coach on here to straighten me and Nick and hopefully all of you out out yeah, there because I need that so bad. We need it. It's great. We'll talk off pot about when we're going to schedule that, but it's going to be leading up to the Corner Club Open, and frankly, I want it sooner than later just so I can address the many issues that I have. Yeah, going on. this is not an overnight fix. This is going to be several sessions needed. Um, I might need to get a new couch, um, <laughs> get a dimming light, maybe some candles. Uh, this is not just like listen to a podcast and you're fixed. So we're gonna, yeah, yeah. Let's we, we got to get on it. I mean, it could it could already be too late for some of the issues that we've got facing us. <laughs> It's never, it's never too late, Nick. Um, thank you, all of you, for listening. And remember, your two words to take away from this episode of At The Turn are what, Nick? Uh, garbage, snooty, rich drunks. <laughs>